Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Man, what a week. It's been so quick. How is it Wednesday again? I'm not used to this new time. I know. I was thinking the same thing. So today I started playing uh, the game I'm going to talk about this week, which is Far Cry New Dawn. And I kind of like I picked it up. I started playing. I was like, oh, man, I'm having so much fun. I'm so glad that I've got like a couple days before we record. And I'm like, no, wait, (laughs) it's tonight. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I'm I'm not used to Wednesdays, but I think Wednesdays will be good in the long run. So, uh, yeah, I mean. You've got a couple things that you mentioned last week. You spent some Mm. more time in them. So, I mean, let's jump right into Link's Awakening because this one I'm still on the fence about. So I I was going to buy it. Then I talked myself out of buying it because I've actually been playing a lot of Hearthstone, the Tombs of Terror, the single player stuff that came out. It doesn't have a turn timer and also like you're not against another person. So you can disconnect and reconnect and not get punished. So um, while we were driving all over the place and and away for the weekend, I was like, I'm going to play this because even if I get disconnected or my cell signal is weak, it's not really going to matter. So I talked myself out of Link's Awakening and have just been playing Tombs of Terror. But you've actually had some more time in the in the big question mark of of this game, which is the Mm -hmm. dungeon creator. So now that you've had some more time in there, what do you think of that function of the game? Uh, it's not, (laughs) I don't think it's what I want it to be. I was, Mm. you know, sort of, uh, you know, musing on the, on the, the Patreon mini, like, oh, I think it might be a puzzle mode, but really it, it was just a tutorial and it was very, very light. And in, in the sense that when you unlock it, the, the Dante, Dante, I forget his name. I think it's Dante. That could be wrong. The weird guy the who gra- lives... The gravekeeper guy? Yeah, the gravekeeper guy. The weird guy. I think it's Dante. Yeah, for some reason. I don't know why I Maybe. keep thinking... Anyways, that guy... Now you've got me questioning myself, Brian. Damn I, it. <laughs> I know. Like, it sounds... Anyways, it's it, it, you unlock it, and he says, like, hey, you know what you need to do. You need to place these tiles. And when you first unlock it, it says, like, okay, we've placed the the entrance, the chest, and the boss. So essentially, each dungeon you create has three core items that have to be placed because you need at least one chest to unlock uh to get the dungeon key and the dungeon key opens the boss which ends the dungeon and of course the entrance is where you start uh the core mechanic of adding tiles to connect those pieces is really neat because the way they've structured the the layout of the tiles it's kind of like a like a dominoes game in the sense that you but but imagine your dominoes are all organized so for example you have two tiers of of tiles you have single entrance uh, tiles and then uh in that tier you have four types where the entrance to that tile is in the south west northeast so there are four types and that's the way they aesthetically you know organize them so moving up moving to the next um, set of tiles you have rooms with two entrances and rooms with three entrances uh and i and I, I think that's it yeah it ends at three so there isn't there isn't one with with four unless i'm wrong i did just play this today and i can't believe i'm i'm spacing on it either way that's <laughs> that's the general setup and then it gets more complex the more entrances you have of course uh in the sense that if you have two entrances like okay one's on the left one's on the bottom one's on the right one's on the bottom and so on and you can kind of piece those together there are a couple options missing in terms of when i first started that might be just based on the fact that you unlock more tiles as you complete dungeons and i've only completed two or three at this point so in terms of the layout in terms of the structure of presenting the tiles to you it's it's a complex offering but it's organized in a very smart way that that clicks. You get it uh, once you realize what's being put in front of you. And placing the tiles works really well. It's super intuitive. The more chests you um, add, and, and the, on the tiles it's represented by a little chest icon. When you add those, uh, if there is a locked door, it'll be a key. If you have no other locked doors, it'll be uh, rupees that you can then keep for your for your adventure. Um, and th- but that's basically it. You you do a couple of them to kind of get the t- tutorial down, 
and and that was it. I did the two tutorial levels, and I think I have to progress further in the game before I like fully unlock Dungeon Creator. But I but I do have it, and I can go in and I can do I think two tutorials, and that's that's it. And I'm assuming I'll unlock maybe a couple more, and then and then I'll be given like all right, have fun, you know. Um, I mean, it's a neat little feature. I I think, unlike Mario Maker, it requires you to play probably the full game to unlock its full potential, whereas in Mario Maker, you're given the whole tools to the kingdom pretty much right away if you want to jump right. into creative yeah, mode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and, there, and there's still no way to do it online, right? Which is no. kind of the thing, because I feel like the dungeon creator would be really cool if we could play each other's stuff, because if you're sitting there creating dungeons then you're playing through them yourself and you already know everything like there's no sense of exploration and discovery which are two things that i think are very key to zelda dungeons and franchises you know like that's that's the core gameplay is exploration and discovery so if you take those away then it's like well i know i need to go through this door to find the hook shot to then get myself up on that ledge to move through this place. Do you know what I mean? Like if you already know where all the keys are, mm-hmm. then it's not as exciting and it's not as fun. It's not a puzzle. You already know all the answers. So yeah, I, I feel like the, the fun of this mode would come from the ability to play other people's content. So until that kind of gets added to the game in a way that isn't limited to kind of local, trading i think it's this is just such a flop i think i think if if this is a one and done yeah i would consider this addition to the game uh, a bit of a like a flop Uh, but if this was a test to see if a zelda maker was something they could do um i could see a dungeon creator being spin spun off into its own sort of game but like oh my god can you imagine if they made like the legend of zelda maker mm-hmm. and you could build different dungeons from like the 2d zelda games but also like the 3d zelda games what if someone could build like the water temple except <laughs> for you know with different twists and turns but you know like a dungeon on with that level of complexity Oh my god, I would play the crap out of that game. That would be so good. I think there are enough, you know, intelligent, crazy, uh, wanna wanna punish you people on the internet that yeah, there'd be a bunch of water temples and we'd all be uh, worse off for it. <laughs> I I love the water temple. Everyone always talks about how terrible it was. I loved that one. It's not that terrible. was my favorite. It, it's just complex. That's all. It is complex. Yeah. That's what made it so great. <laughs> I think uh, I I really think that if if we look at the dungeon creator, the one positive is that Nintendo did put this together, and it's a good test. The last time they did something like this, it was the. the uh, uh, treasure captain toad treasure maps in the wii u super mario 3d world and then they spun that off into its own game and it was quite successful i feel like a, a zelda dungeon creator could be they'd probably have to keep it to the 2d plane similar to mario maker and that they keep it to 2d and you could probably figure out a way to do you know nes uh stylized uh super nes and then maybe maybe go game boy as well as as well as the Link's awakening look and feel and that gives you your four styles i think the styles you could have a lot of fun with it but i think really what they're doing here is this is an added feature it's it's simplistic uh it's not as complex as mario maker i mean mario maker is its own right it's it's a standalone game yeah so this is never meant to to be its own experience but i think there's something here because Mm -hmm. There are so many interesting puzzles and things that you can do, even that we've seen people do with the Mario world. So I think a a game like Zelda that is built around dungeon crawling and discovery Mm -hmm. could be an awesome maker experience because there's so much to pull from just from that style of game like it's it's built around dungeons and puzzles so i think that this could be really really cool if they if they did like spin it off and make it its own thing i would i would definitely like to see a a maker version of of link um yeah so i i hope that they're this is kind of testing the waters in that franchise and if this is spun off like Toads was, or if they make it a full maker version like 
like Mario Maker, then I would be totally on board because I think this is a untapped potential right now by Nintendo. Yeah. And I'm still so sad that these dungeon creator things can't be shared because honestly, I would pick up Link's Awakening today if you and I could trade maps. Like, yeah. instantly, instantly. I think there's, you know, there's still a, a window for Nintendo to add that functionality. Um, I mean, whether that window is closing anytime soon, I have no idea. I, I think Link's Awakening could still see an update by the end of the year or mid next year. I think mid next year would be too late. But yeah, it's got to happen. It, I find it so interesting, though, because, I mean, it, it shouldn't be in my head as somebody who has a basic knowledge of computers and programs and how they function <laughs> right like i mean i'm not are a you designer, are you about to say a... it should not be that hard yes <laughs> okay. i am about to say it should i not just be wanted that hard to because that, yeah. uh, basically what they've done is they've given you the ability to put your to put your level into mm-hmm. an amiibo right yeah, yeah. so that means that they already have the functionality to package your level and store it somewhere that isn't your switch and isn't doesn't have anything to do with the game, right? It's on an Amiibo, which is basically just like, think of it like a USB storage stick, right? It just transfers information in a different way because it uses the NFC chips instead of like actually plugging something in and out. But still, you've got a package of information that is your your Link's level, mm-hmm. your Link's Awakening level. It goes onto a mobile memory device and then can be transferred into somebody else's Link's Awakening via the Amiibo so that they can play it, which means they've got the out and back in, like the data transfer and the packaging of the level is already done. It's just that you transfer it using an Amiibo instead of the internet. So So it should be, (laughs) in theory, (laughs) it should be fairly easy to do. I mean, I can transfer data with an email. So, I, I mean, I know that it's, you know, it's still possibly something they have to build. But, I mean, Nintendo's just, I know that they tend to drop the ball in terms of doing online things and multiplayer and everything else. Like, friends list and all the rest of it. None of this has ever been Nintendo's strong suit. But still, I can't imagine it's that hard. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering... I'm wondering what you're basically describing. Yeah, is is a, a server queue uh, and and limiting it to only sending to friends. I think what a, what a lot of people because of Mario Maker they see this mode and they think, oh, I want you know leaderboards and the ability to search and the ability to find top levels. Like that gets very complex and a lot of infrastructure yeah. you have to add to a side mode. But if you're if you and I are literally only requesting, I want to be able to build a dungeon and share it with people on my friends list in a way of yeah. just basically an email system where I'm sending it through the where queue, you like just you send the packet, yeah, yeah, send the packet through the internet to mm-hmm. a receiver who would be me, so that I can then download it into my game. Then we're essentially <laughs> doing the same thing. I mean, we could do that right now if you put it on an amiibo put it in a box and no. sent it through the mail but oh <laughs> i can't believe the better way to do that i can't believe we're we're stepping this out for nintendo and be like i ha- i literally have an amazon box right here i could go to canada post and say i want to send this dungeon to my friend jocelyn at this address uh, exactly. make it so and it would happen <laughs> um and it would work and it would probably take like two business days but because i'm not paying but for it Express. would work yeah um <laughs> So yeah, it would work. And honestly, we look at the limit, the limited technology of the Amiibo. Like, how much data can it store? Not a whole lot. I, I don't even. Well, know that's how the other I, thing. It's... How many dungeons can you put on one Amiibo? Like, would you have to send me like a giant box full of like all of your Amiibos so that you could, so I could play all your dungeons? I bet you it's one. Honestly, <laughs> it's I, probably one. <laughs> it's probably one dungeon because in the so in the mode there are three options. It says you know cr- arrange a dungeon adventure a dungeon or adventure and uh from amiibo so from amiibo about probably just loads a level just off. loads the level yeah yeah i mean do you think so i mean get it if we're going down this rabbit hole i wonder if nintendo of av- specifically avoided the online functionality because then they would have had to add to the to the box art you know 
requires online subscription, and that turns people away from single-player games. You know, having to have a paid subscription. It, and again, for you and I, you we understand worded that you could have worded that in a way that said like um, for specific mode, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. dungeon creator requires online connection or something like that. We but can kind of uh, see like, like you said, like the dungeon creator is not the game no. in and of itself, right? Link's Awakening, the game, is 80% of what you're getting when you're buying Link's Awakening. And then you've got this dungeon creator tacked on. And I'm saying that I think that it would have been a better game and it would have been an insta-buy for me if I could not only play Link's Awakening, but then also if the dungeon creator was expanded to the way that it just made it convenient for me to exchange dungeons with my friends because then I think it would be really fun to not only get in there to try to create a dungeon myself but then also send those to you be like haha Ryan I tricked you you shall never figure this out and then also beat yours in like 30 seconds that's the kind of experience I want out of Link's Awakening. Me too. Even if I came out, you know, looking like the uh, the uh, what's a what's a character? What's that 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 uh, Oompa Loompa guy? What's his name? Tingle. Tingle. Thank you. I was. He <laughs> pretends to be a. He's pretending to be a, a fairy, right? A like, fairy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say that, and then I realized, like, mm, I went the other direction. Uh, no, uh, Tingle. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that makes perfect sense to me. I want to see that happen. I hope Nintendo at least adds that. And they've shown sort of this ability to update games. I think Mario Maker is a, is a good example in this, in the sense that post-launch, they said, hey, post-launch, we are going to have friend uh, capabilities so that you can you can play with your friends in co-op and versus. And they did just add that. So again, three or four months since release, I think it came out you know, end of June. So... They they do that for certain titles, and I think Link's Awakening yeah. would work well. I wonder if the team just wanted to focus on remaking this game and then adding Dungeon Creator as a sort of a bonus. But I, I Honestly, like the idea. I I understand that this is the world that we live in now, the world of, of DLC, the world of patches. Like, I get yep. that. But at the same time, uh, I, I'm getting more than a little frustrated with games that launch without full functionality like you just said oh they added the ability to play with your friends and co-op and blah 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 online well that's all great but to me that's something that it probably should have just launched with and if you weren't ready don't launch a freaking game like give me everything that you think makes your game complete on your launch day like i don't know i'm just starting to really get frustrated with this because i feel like it's happening more and more and more and more often and maybe this is a bigger conversation for another day but I feel like companies just aren't launching finished products anymore. And I'm starting to get really frustrated with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but in their eyes, uh, they could have seen this as a complete product. And the fact that we're asking for this online functionality could be seen as like, we hear you, we'll add it. We want to support these games based on fan feedback. Um, you can yeah, look at and it I that mean- side too. You're right. That that definitely could be the way that, that things are playing out is that, you know, they're they have their game. They think it's complete. We ask them for something and they deliver that I think is healthy. But I feel like there's like more and more often that's not actually the way that it's playing out. And maybe you're right. The Nintendo thing might be a little bit different. It's more so like I'm, I'm getting into the place now as a consumer and I'll talk about um, Far Cry in a minute, but I mean, like I'm I'm buying games. I'm I'm in the mindset now of waiting four to six months post release on a lot of these games because I'm like, why would I buy it day one? It never has everything it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Companies, even for like single player stuff, are coming out and giving us like roadmaps and stuff. It's like, why do you have a roadmap? Why isn't your game done? <laughs> like, why are you launching this right now? And I feel like we just get patches and patches and patches and patches and fixes and fixes and fixes and fixes to the point that it's not worth buying a game in the first six months of release. So they're actually getting less money out of me because I'm waiting six months. I'm picking things up for, you know, 50% off or more on like, you know, weekend sales, midweek sales, whatever, because they haven't sold enough copies to 
I, I guess, keep patching the game. I don't know. But you get these deeply discounted prices. So they're not really coming out further ahead if they just waited six months, done everything, fixed all their bugs, and then charged me full price. I would pay full price for a working, finished, full title. <laughs> but I feel like games aren't working, finished, full titles anymore. So I'm waiting. And then they're... The, like the developers are losing out because I'm paying, you know, 25 to $40 for AAA titles. Yep. I mean, there are I examples. Just, I, I went totally off on a tangent no. down another a rabbit hole that came out of our rabbit hole. <laughs> but <laughs> you're, the point you're making is probably specifically to, to some some larger companies like Ubisoft does this. Um, EA does this. <laughs> Anthem is a great example uh destiny is another great example i mean one could argue that they've waited a whole year and fixed that one with an expansion i think nintendo has been very good about their flagship titles being done at launch and the stuff they add is sort of bonus uh link or dlc i wouldn't package dlc with sort of an incomplete game depending on the dlc again like every game is different i look at last year's yeah slate i'm kind of, of titles. thinking more more patches as opposed sure. to dlc um yeah. because dlc you can argue is extra and more content it's kind of like an expansion but not as big as an expansion it's more quests it's more locations or whatever the and case is like it's it's more content on top of it's not fixing the base thing. And I know some people think like, for example, I know this was something that was um, levied against the, the mass effect three game was the Leviathan, Leviathan, I think right. DLC yeah, right. and also the DLC that came with the other character. Um, oh, what's that guy's oh, name? He, he's the, the, Oh my God. It's been Why so many I want to say Jafar. It. It's not though. It's no, but it's really, really close to that. And he's like the, the, <laughs> Pro, the Promethean? Yeah. Is that the right race? It is Promethean, yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's that guy that came from the Fallen Civilization and you go and you wake him up or whatever. Both of those DLC, what a lot of people said, is those really flesh out the world and the mm -hmm. story of Mass Effect 3. And it was kind of ridiculous that they weren't included in the base game. So, I mean, it, this is not a new concept. And that's where I think the line blurs between DLC and a patch. And if you have stuff that should be and like kind of fills the holes in your existing base game story that's something that probably should have been included in the base game yeah now if you have dlc that is like an epilogue or well even an epilogue that maybe is the wrong i mean if, like if, maybe if, you, if your game needs an epilogue that should be in the base game too i guess like the best the best kind of um series that i like franchise that i can think that does actual expansions properly is like the sims you have a base game that involves you building a city and playing your characters in that city and then you have expansions that allow you to you know like vacation around the world be a wizard be a vampire um you know uh, start a summer resort like <laughs> they actually are different experiences that have the same base game tech but that are different. And actually, when you put it, and when I think about it that way, Far Cry New Dawn is a very good example of what I think an expansion should be. Because that's basically what Far Cry New Dawn is. It's an expansion to Far Cry 5. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk about Far Cry New Dawn. I mean... All uh, right, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's as, as good of a kind of transition we're going to get from rabbit hole to, to back to where we're supposed to be in the show. But well, It's an expansion <laughs> and kind of a, a pseudo-sequel to the end of Far Cry 5. It is, yeah. So, And it is a like standalone game. You don't need Far Cry 5 in order to play Far Cry New Dawn, but it is built on the same backbone, it's built on the same tech, and it's built on the same map. It just happens 15 to 20 years in the future after a nuclear holocaust, basically. So there's been, you know, like 15 years of a nuclear winter. You crawl out of the hole, try to rebuild society. And now it's actually giving me um, Days Gone vibes. Hmm. There's no zombies, but it's very, very similar in overall plot in that you have like outposts that you're trying to uh, help and build up and do quests for. And they're being threatened by, you know, this the bandit organization, 
essentially, which reminds me a whole lot of just like the human plot line in um, in Days Gone. It's very, 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 very similar. Yeah, no, I, I think it's uh, from what I've seen in the game, it's very colorful um, and it's it, super colorful. There is pink everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's a very <laughs> vibrant post-apocalyptic world, which is kind of yeah. kind of crazy. It's like almost when the nuke went off, there was also like one of those um, like powder bombs, but they were it was a pink, pink and neon <laughs> blue powder bomb that also went off and just just made a created a bunch of havoc um do you find like yeah. the attitude of the the post-apocalyptic world is also less you know post-apocalyptic is can be very depressing um do they have fun with this one uh there's definitely parts so far that i've kind of come across that where you can definitely see that far cry sense of humor coming through mm-hmm. like um there's one character that i just met and he's he's obviously a little bit off, but in this like weird, funny, socially awkward kind of geeky way. And he's like either never learned or again, because this is like 15, 20 years and he's a young guy of like living literally underground. Like maybe he just, you know, heard of some phrases, but never got them quite right. Anyways, he talks about um, like, oh, what is uh, I can't I'm. Because I know what the proper phrase is, so I'm trying to remember the way he messes it up. But basically, he talks about what he's trying to say is like, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. But he uses reach around instead. He's like, I'll get like, I'll give you a reach around if you reach around to my back or something like that. No, it's just like so it's like it's he clearly is trying to say the I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. But he doesn't know how to say it properly because he's been living underground for 20 years. And it's funny yeah <laughs> but it's it, so it's that kind of far cry like crude humor right so well as a follow-up yeah. to a game that literally had a mission where you were trying to uh collect bull testicles i think yes was one of the, yeah. yes that was what yeah for the chef so that he could make you prairie oysters i do remember that mm. because yeah <laughs> i forgot they called them prairie oysters <laughs> that's the worst part so yeah so in far cry new dawn like Pretty much everything is uh, the same in terms of, you know, your your quests and your like just like the base underlying mechanics. If you played Far Cry 5, Mm -hmm. then all of the controls, all of everything is the same, because, again, this very much feels like it would be in the old world. (laughs) It would be an expansion, right? Because it it is like a sequel. It's set 15 years, 15 to 20 years after the events of Far Cry 5. And so the canonical ending for Far Cry 5, spoiler alert, guys, if you haven't finished it, but Far Cry 5 has been out forever to the point that they've even put out a sequel. So spoiler, 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 spoiler. Ryan, I'm also sorry because I don't think you finished Far Cry uh, 5. So. I didn't, but I know the ending because everyone was <laughs> okay. like, oh my God, the ending. Yeah. Like They were really upset about it. I'm like, okay, well, let's look this up. And I, I didn't think it was that big a deal. but Yeah, so basically uh, the canonical Far Cry ending is you stand up to the cult leader and he's been saying for the whole entire game, the world is going to hell. There's going to be like, it's going to burn in fire and brimstone and blah, 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 which you kind of shrug off as like crazy religious cult leader. Of course, he says things like this. But what happens at the end is you confront him. He's got all your friends. Uh, you defeat him and you drive, you arrest him and you drive away with your friends. And then a nuclear bomb goes off. And essentially, uh, you crash the car, all your friends die, you and the cult leader live, he takes you to an underground bunker, which turns out to be the dude from the start of the game, I think his name was Duke. Mm, Um, Yeah, yeah, and so the the cult leader like kills him and you two hole up in the bunker and he's like, we're family now and you're all like mind controlled or whatever. And then you wait out the nuclear disaster. And then in New Dawn, it picks up that story and basically says like the whole entire world tried to blow itself up and everyone shot nukes at everyone (laughs) and there's no civilization left. And in the absence of humans, and this is why it's so, I guess, colorful is like in the absence of humans, all of nature kind of came back. 
Which is also very interesting because um, that's one thing that they've said about Chernobyl. Like, so in actual real life, <laughs> the site of a nuclear disaster, which is, you know, Chernobyl, is, you know, humans can't live there. But there's like small animals. There's like all the trees have come back. It's like nature's reclaiming the site of Chernobyl. And so it's not without its, I guess, basis in reality. And so nature coming back is it's a lot of like small animals, small plants, stuff like that, which means a lot of flowers, which is why it's so colorful. And then that pink flower, which seems to be everywhere, which is everywhere to the point that I feel like it might actually be a plot point at some at some point. Like you can't collect it. It's not a collectible, but it's literally everywhere. There was a um, flower plot point in the in Far Cry 5, was there not? Or am I remembering? Like I it was some sort of remember. drug? Uh, well, yeah, there there was uh, Faith, who was one of, like, the lieutenants mm -hmm. of the, the cult guy. She was one of, like, the bosses of the area, and her role in the cult was to make bliss, which was made, I think it, I think you might be right, I think it was made like from some flower, sort of flower, yeah, that then was used as, like, a mind control agent. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, bliss was a very big plot point in Far Cry 5. So maybe that's what this new stuff is. I don't really know, but it just like, it's everywhere. And I feel like uh, the flowers that you see all around the map are being used by the highwaymen who are like the bad guys. So it's actually really interesting because the, the cult leader from Far Cry 5 is in Far Cry New Dawn, although I haven't encountered him yet, but people are talking about how he basically came out of the bunker refounded uh eden and instead of i think it was like eden glenn before or something like that now it's new eden anyways he's like refounded his cult but they've like totally um renounced all technology and everything else they're like mm. back to the stone age type and they are fighting the highwaymen so you haven't actually or at least i haven't heard the fate of my character from Far Cry 5, who is like the sheriff's deputy. You don't know if he's like associated with um, Joseph, if he died or what. Like, the, I don't have any information about the Far Cry 5 character yet, but you do know that Joseph is active and has made one of these settlements that's fighting against the bad guys. So it's kind of like, so is the guy I was fighting against in Far Cry 5? now my ally in new dawn or mm. is it like this whole new like <laughs> enemy of my enemy is my friend type situation but once the highwaymen are gone then we're gonna fight like i don't know how it's all gonna play out but it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic if you played through far cry 5 yeah it's an interesting take on um providing a sequel or a follow-up to to a game because this came out a year later so yeah it, it, it's a I don't think it's I don't think something like this has been done quite like this before where you get an expansion but it's not a direct sequel it's like it just feels well, like it a, is it is a direct it's, well I guess you, it's a direct sequel in that it takes place in the exact same location mm -hmm. so you're in Hope County it's built on the same map and it takes place in, like later 20 years later or whatever mm -hmm. but I guess it's not in that you're not playing the same character I think it's just a great it's such a great approach because uh, you're right like it, it, it's the same world has this a shared characters a shared universe um it's set decades in the future after a major incident and there's an opportunity to drop characters from you know far cry 5 in to kind of be like remember this guy well 20 years later he's now this person or this type of person i think yeah, that's really cool so far because again like i said it uses the same map mm -hmm. it's they've used the same map but then put different like age textures over top and stuff and so you actually, I just went and found a person because basically what you have to do is um, you have to build up your encampment. You have to go out into the world and try to find specialists who know how to, like you have to find a doctor, you have to find a, a map maker, you have to find, you know, a, a builder. All these people are spread out all over, a weaponsmith. They're all spread out all over Hope County. And you have to go try to either rescue them from the highwayman or prevent their capture in the first place. But one way or another, you have to go and collect all these specialists to help you build up your base so that in, I'm sure, the final confrontation with the two sisters that you've seen in all the new Dawn stuff, they're the head of the highwayman chapter in, in Hope County. So you have to kind of build up your base 
preparing to have your confrontation with them. And uh, as you're going through and finding those specialists, since it's on the same map, you're going through areas that were major plot points in Far Cry 5, which is kind of cool. Like there was a whole facility you had to escape from in one of your confrontations with one of the lieutenants in Far Cry 5. And in New Dawn, 20 years later, I just had to make my way through that facility again because I fell through a hole and it's flooding and you have to try to, to escape through. And I'm like, oh, my God, I remember this. and I remember this place. And oh, yeah, that's where I kicked the guy in the teeth. Like, <laughs> so it, it's kind of a cool revisiting of a lot of the Far Cry 5 locations. So you'll definitely get way more out of New Dawn if you've already played Far Cry 5. And because it is kind of an, a sequel and expansion I don't really know why you would play New Dawn without playing Far Cry 5. And if anything, New Dawn is also reminding me how much I liked Far Cry 5. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Far Cry 5. I really like New Dawn. I highly recommend them. And I think the sale is over now, but I got it for 25 bucks, which was half off. Um, I don't know, but I, I'm sure it goes on sale often. It, it <laughs> I does. feel like the Far Cry franchise goes on sale all the time. <laughs> yeah, New Dawn goes on sale quite a bit, and it usually drops to the half price point. But honestly, if you really want to check it out right away and get a good chunk in, uh, you can subscribe to Uplay's new uh, service, Uplay Plus. And this right, is part of it. Because everyone, everyone has a service now. <laughs> yeah. Now, that is, it is a $20 service, so it's definitely a premium service. And. But I mean, if you were going to play 25, if you were going to pay $25 for New Dawn anyways, and you think you can finish it in a month, which you should be able to, because mm -hmm. I don't believe that there is as much content in New Dawn as there was in Far Cry 5, just like quest wise. I think the, the $50 price point kind of shows you that, right? Like Far Cry 5 was a full 80 to $90 title. This one's 50. So yeah. And plus it's probably got about 60% the content, exactly. I would say. And, and with this subscription, you get access to, I think, the newest Ubisoft game that's coming out even early and the Ultimate Edition, what, what that means at launch, who knows. But uh, you get the new Ghost Recon game that's coming out, I think, this week. So it's, it, yeah, so it, yeah, the subscription's worth it if you're interested in trying those games. You just need to make sure that you actually do things like Ryan does as opposed <laughs> to how I do because... I sign up for subscriptions all the time and forget to cancel them. Ryan actually puts like reminders in his calendar to yeah. actually stop subscribing. And that is the smart way to do it because sure. if you pay $20 to try new Dawn, but then you forget for three months to cancel your subscription, then you've paid more than the cost of new Dawn hmm. to just to try it. So uh, yeah, do make sure you subscribe responsibly. And if you subscribe for one month, you're going to get a deal on this game. Sure. For sure. Yeah. So you guys should check it out, though. It's really fun. Yeah, I'm interested. I had the the, the trial subscription and I forgot I had a, I had it added and I didn't get a chance to play it. And now my subscription trial's over. But uh, maybe down the road, add this one on as, a, as a, I'll check it out in terms of that subscription. But um, I've been uh, I revisited the surge, too. I think last week when I talked about it, I had described it as sort of a Dark Souls-esque game and how that yeah which which involved hacking people to bits and stealing their arms and stuff yeah and and you know i put more time into the game and and i think mostly thanks to the fact that i streamed it um from my xbox one x just you know i was like you know what uh, ashley's been busy uh with family you know moving her her grandmother so i had the house to myself the kids were you know asleep so i'm gonna put my headset on and, and hit the go live button on the xbox and you and I have both talked about, we're going to talk about Extra Life later on, but we've both talked about like streaming from the couch and that experience. And I think the one thing you remove when streaming from the couch is definitely the added bonus of what everyone expects when they're watching a Twitch stream, which is the extensions and the overlays and the announcements yeah, and all yeah. that. Um, but for someone who's a casual streamer, it was fine. I just, I hit go live. Um, I could tell who was how many people were viewing and how long I've been live in the bottom right corner. And I just had the phone up with the chat. People were jumping in. And, and that's really the only reason I was able to power through some pretty difficult bosses. Two in a row where I was playing. And one was a main boss and one was a sub boss. But like they were right back to back. So I went from, you know, slamming my head against the wall with this main boss. And then right after walking back to the 
area I needed to go to and hitting another boss, where which was he was easy, but it was frustrating because I had just finished, you know, uh, working my way through. So I gotta say, uh, with this game, I actually looked up a guide for the bosses because I just couldn't figure out this boss. And I was like, you know what? I'm enjoying the in-between parts where I'm sort of navigating the world and taking on enemies like one-on-one, two-on-one, uh, where it's a controlled environment and I feel like I've got, you know, a handle on things. Uh, but where I was struggling was with these like big bosses uh, that you were having to take out strategically. So I think it was this dude in like a like a Wild Wild West type spider, giant spider outfit. Uh, and it didn't really you you could target specific body parts and i think the part of the game is with these bosses it's it's all about dismemberment and kind of taking them out in strategic ways so in this instance i had to uh take out the coolant tanks and that was the way to to defeat him he had a health bar uh what looked like a health bar but it turns out it was it was moving in the opposite direction where he was using his coolant to cool cool his exosuit down uh so i had to take out all the coolant tanks and i'm like i'm dying constantly but chat room and chat room was getting an interesting uh an interesting new take on on ryan playing video games because i'm usually not that salty but i was getting pretty frustrated (laughs) uh to the point where i finally beat it i was like i was like i if i could alt f4 i would have alt f4 gone to a browser and looked at a guide but i pulled up the guide and i'm like okay this is the strategy and i think with that it kind of guided me like i still had to do it so I have no problem looking up the guide because it probably saved me a bunch of uh, archived Ryan swearing uh, audio. Uh, it's still there, though. But uh, <laughs> I, I did the boss battle, and I think you could hear me flipping off the screen once I finally uh, finally took him out. And it, I did feel that satisfaction that, that often people report when playing these types of games. Uh, but in terms of you know, the positive, I've, I've kept playing the game after those two bosses and after that, that Twitch stream. And I really got into the, to the groove. And I think that's, you know, we always talk about these games where it's like, oh, but after 30 hours, you'll get it. And then you'll really love it. And you and I both kind of hate that sort of mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I don't have 30 hours to trudge through the good stuff. You know, I, I will make yeah, an exception. That's a big pet peeve of mine where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to play a giant chunk of game before it gets fun. I'm like, no, I want my game to just be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to. I've already earned the fun by paying for the game. By right? paying. For, yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not necessarily putting that criticism on this game. I think for someone who's not well versed in Dark Souls games I and, and constantly switching between play styles and different game designs. I think that's where I struggle with these types of games is that I'm having to reteach the way I play where you have to think about animations, study combat uh, sort of you know, movements and parrying and kind of figuring out, well, essentially the more advanced controls. And I think I finally, it sort of finally clicked with me as I entered an area where um, it was a it was a large, it felt kind of like a like a conservation area it felt very much like it was part of the city but it was an area like a forested area where it was like oh we're you know we're protecting this conservation area of a a forest and these uh felt very like parky offices in the middle of the forest it was really interesting and you had to go into this area and you were trying to shut down these three tower or turn on these three towers that would disrupt the boss so they they telegraphed the boss early on so you know as you're progressing you're moving towards a probably a very complex fight and i looked up the guide it describes it as the hardest boss in the game so i <laughs> i haven't gotten to it yet i think if i do it and it's completely frustrating i will certainly like post an update in the discord but i was really having a good time moving through that area because it finally felt like more of an open area where i had choice uh it wasn't a linear experience there were still a bunch of shortcuts, but it felt like a mini sandbox where I was like, okay, I have to turn on these three towers. Each path, I have a choice. So I can go down this path to to this tower or or go up this path uh, and unlock sort of shortcuts back to the main office. One was literally like a door that opened back into the office as I'm progressing through this area. So not only did it have the shortcuts that I loved finding earlier on in the game, but it had this branching, you know, choice system, as well as the fact that it felt like it was a good chunk of that open con 
open content, not just walk this linear line, find a couple shortcuts, get to the boss, rinse, repeat. So it was a really fun section that I'm, I've, I progressed all the way to the end. I turned on the three towers and I have basically unlocked the boss fight. And I'm kind of like, man, I don't know if I, uh, if I want to ruin the quote unquote, ruin this experience by going after the boss. Cause I know it's going to be difficult. That's part of the game, but you know, it introduced new enemies. You're fighting these like taller robots. So now you're suddenly having to deal with, you know, over the head attacks and under, you know, the leg attacks as this enemy now is not attacking from the left and right, but now attacking from above you and uh, sw swooping down below you. So you have to kind of get your parries down. But I finally found this w open area that was long enough that I was learning how to deal with these enemies. Because that was my issue early on is that I was fighting these other enemies, but it was I wasn't doing it enough to learn the combat. And maybe I, I'm in this specific instance. I'm just a slow. I'm I'm slow to pick it up, but I finally it finally clicked with me. So I, it it became more fun than I I described uh, last week. But again, heading into a major boss, it's probably gonna be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pro it's probably not going to go well. I, I can probably, uh, that's a safe assumption, I think. But yeah, the Surge 2 is, again, I'm finding the, the fun in it. And I think this little open world, I think it's called Gideon Rock. It's been the first section that I've really, really enjoyed. And you come across these like hunters who are trying to take out this monster. And there's a whole subplot about the hunters, you know, uh, fighting each other. Uh, they've been turned against each other within their ranks as sort of a, a plot to take the the pot, the bounty for themselves um, instead of everybody working together. So it's just a really well put together. And I think that was one of the criticisms I had last week and that like, I have no idea what's going on in the story. But for some reason in this area, it's so well put together and the story makes sense and it's self-contained. Like I've kind of ignored the overarching story and I'm really enjoying this sort of sub world where we're trying to take out this monster and where there's like infighting with the hunter groups and it's really neat I, I really enjoy i'm really enjoying this section uh of the game so i'm i'm gonna see where it goes from there uh but yeah i'm i am continuing to enjoy the surge too which is which is really cool because honestly I, I wasn't sure if you were going to because mm. it is the style of game that we don't normally like in that Dark Souls kind of style. So I mean, the more you play, the more I kind of have faith that maybe I should try some of these because if you like them, maybe I'll like them too. Yeah, I think there's definitely like a, when a Dark Souls comes around, like I know that's not for me because that's a very specific type. Well, it's true. It's true. the Dark Souls. Um, it, it's the it's the one that all these other games are named after but i feel like darksiders 3 the surge 2 are takes on that gameplay that mix it up enough and make it interesting enough you know with the surge 2 there is this mechanic you know we described where you 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 can take off body parts if you're just trying to progress to the boss you just you know leaf over with the right stick to try to find a body part that's unarmored and you just focus on that and then it's you're quicker to to take out that enemy in the sense that you're you know um weakening a part of their body that's unarmored but if you want more parts more implants more unlocks you have to go off after those armored pieces so there is that choice there's a choice yeah, yeah risk reward mm -hmm. um and I mean, if you're just trying to get point A to point B, like you can do that. Uh, you can just go for the unarmored pieces. And I, and I like that aspect of it. And I find that I'm getting more powerful as, as a hero and I'm able to take more hits. And I never found that with Bloodborne. I found like if I made a mistake, uh, Bloodborne or Dark Souls, if I made a mistake, like I was losing health. And the way the Surge 2 works, I just find that there's enough working for you to counteract what's working against you. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, if you guys are interested in supporting the show, if you like what we do here, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support us. But there's also another way to support what we're doing, and that is by supporting this year's Extra Life campaign. So Ryan and I are both doing a lot of streaming for mm -hmm. Extra Life this year. We've decided to move away from the 24-hour marathon for a few different reasons. Uh, first of all, it's healthier for us not to stream for 24 hours. I was finding it 
extraordinarily difficult. The last 24 hour stream that we did, I had to call, I had to cut it two or three hours early and I was so sick. I lost my voice. I was like, mm -hmm. I got some like chest infection. It was bad. <laughs> so it's not uh, healthy, yeah, for sure. It's not. Yeah, the 24 hours were, were too old for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just I can't sleep in the next day. And even if you can, you know, logistically sleep in the next day, you don't sleep well. Like you're yeah. just sore. And like you said, you've got a sore throat. You're feeling sick. And it take. I think it takes me. It took me days to feel back to normal. And that's also not great <laughs> yeah uh so there's that reason there's also uh the fact that the extra life stream day is the same weekend as blizzcon which means ryan and i can't stream together on extra life day anyways mm -hmm. so it led us to try to figure out a different way of doing things and so what we've decided to do is instead of giving you 24 straight hours we're giving you like well i know i have 48 hours of of streaming planned uh, at least <laughs> so we have a lot of different streams they're just uh, split up over different weekends so for me i'm doing streams on october 12th 26th and then uh, november 9th and 30th hmm. yeah and i'm uh i'm gonna be doing uh, a blizzcon special so last year i didn't do a blizzcon special because i had plans uh not blizzcon but i was at a town so Saturday, November 2nd, uh, around 8 p.m., I'm going to start streaming some uh, Blizzard games, joined by guests, talking about uh, you know the BlizzCon news and just generally playing uh, some Blizzard games. And then everyone uh, keeps saying, uh, mm -hmm. like everyone that I know who is in the know at Blizzard keeps saying that this is going to be the best BlizzCon ever in total, <laughs> like wink, wink, nudge, do nudge, don't that? miss it. I don't know. The expectations <laughs> this year are very, very high, especially after last year, because last year was a definite low for the convention. So everyone's saying this is going to be a great year with lots and lots and lots of announcements. So you should be very busy on November 2nd. Yeah. And I mean, we, I think the original concept when I started that doing that like two or three years ago was to play a little bit of every Blizzard game. Uh, I think the way it's shifted is to more the interesting games that I want to, I want to play with friends. Uh, so, or games I'm actively playing, but you're right. It's going to be a big BlizzCon. Um, as people keep saying, so it'll be exciting to talk about those, those games, uh, updates, while playing those games so i'm looking forward to that uh and then as you said on the ninth that'll be our sort of our main uh game day we always shift it to the week after i find that just works best logistically and yeah so yeah. we're actually that is our our day where ryan and i are actually going to be streaming together what yeah <laughs> so yeah saturday november 9th is going to be a lot of fun and then you're doing another one in december right yeah so last year i sort of you know, we wanted, I wanted to cap off the year for Extra Life. And I know after, you know, December 21st, it gets really busy. So Friday, December 20th, which is sort of the last day that everybody has, like the office, sort of like no one works. They just go to the office like, well, Christmas is tomorrow. What are you going to do? You know. <laughs> um, so after the kids go to bed around 8 o'clock, I'm going to be playing just a holiday-themed sort of stream to kind of close off Extra Life, I think, probably looking at a bunch of uh, multiplayer games that add Christmas patches. Like I think we played Heroes of the Storm, Killing Floor 2, Dead by Daylight. They all had these little events going on that, that just made a, you know, a holiday stream make more sense. Like I'm not playing like Santa Tracker 6 or something. Um, we're <laughs> no, but like games. just we're playing games that we enjoy that also happen to have uh, holiday elements. So I'll probably join you for that one mm -hmm. as well. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, Friday, December 12th, we're going to do evening streams. So Ryan's going to go uh, 8 till 11. And let's be honest, Jocelyn's going to go much longer than 11. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I think <laughs> we'll let Ryan go to bed. I, yeah. And that's the thing for me is like, I got to get up the next day. I mean, there is yeah. some wiggle room, <laughs> but uh, I think I, I, you know, I'll go until I'm tired. I think that's yeah. sort of the way I've done it, especially on the 9th. I get special clearance to kind of stay up a little, uh, a little later. So that's good. Um, and, yep. uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it in general. Uh, my streams are going to be starting around noon. I'm going to go until about midnight. So you're going to get 12 hour streams on Saturdays, which is a thing I don't normally do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think 
on some nights we might go a little bit longer, but we'll have to see how it goes. But uh, noon to midnight Eastern time uh, for me for the most part. So I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We also have a lot of prizes to give away. So uh, we've got a link in the show notes to our prize list if you guys are interested at all. When you donate, just throw the uh, game that you're looking for into your message on the Extra Life website, and we'll make sure you get those codes. Uh, but yeah, we've got a big list of prizes this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, definitely you can check out that list whenever you want, uh, even before updating or sort of donating. And if you're feverishly, you know, writing all this out, don't worry. It's going to be on our Extra Life team page at bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2019, as well as on the Gamers In website. So you'll be able to see all this information, including, you know, uh, links, times, dates, details, uh, and not just for, you know, us, but also uh, the team. Because we have a, a, a very large team that's that's also supporting our Extra Life sort of fundraising. Uh, so you can check check out our team page there. And, and uh, if you have any prizes that you want to donate, we've had people donate prizes in the past uh, to support the cause. You can certainly send us an email or hit us up on Discord. That usually works best. So if you have like extra humble bundle codes or you want to donate a game that you, you feel would, uh, would get more donations coming in, we've done raffles. I think last year we had, I think it was Swexus that donated Red Dead Redemption 2. Yep. And that worked really well. So if you have uh, some prizes you want to donate to support the kids, that also works. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's going to be, it's always a fun time. Um, we've tried to simplify it over the years. We were talking pre-show just to kind of, we want to make it more entertaining and and make it easier to to sort of solicit donations and get people to donate to help the kids like that's the main focus entertainment donations exactly and uh speaking of entertainment this is the first year that you're actually going to have Caden involved right <laughs> yeah so uh for those who follow me on my other shows i usually try to do a little bonus because obviously we talk about extra life on gamers in and i try to talk about extra life basically wherever I go once October hits. So for Dungeons and Diapers, which is my new podcast I do with uh, Croft and Steers about parenting and geek culture, um, (laughs) if people donate uh, in the name of Dungeons and Diapers to my Extra Life campaign, uh, I'm going to play the Paw Patrol on a Roll game live on Twitch. (laughs) Uh, Still figuring out all the details, but it would be, I would be probably a bad parent if I've held off on buying the game this long and then didn't include my son who loves Paw Patrol. So he is definitely going to join me on stream to play that, at least to start to play the game. And I think the way I've announced it is every donation that comes in, I will add an additional 30 minutes of Paw Patrol. Whether that means... <laughs> I I think... Look, I'm not... I'm not... I'm not you know, weird here. I think what will be interesting is Caden and I playing the game, not me being like Caden's done playing the game and me just continuing to play Paw Patrol by myself. Um, that I don't know, man. <laughs> I'd like to see you just play Paw Patrol by yourself. <laughs> I mean, it really depends. Like when we think about Extra Life, oftentimes we try to think of ways to to bring donations in, and for some reason, it's usually some sort of humiliating act or just painful act. Like Jocelyn playing scary games. I'm not gonna let you off uh, easily on this one. Uh, or Ryan playing games that he uh, clearly does not want to play. Like this Paw Patrol game came out last year, and if anyone tells my son that this thing exists, I you know I will be probably um he'll never let me let it down so i i think i'm finally ready to check this thing out i've been trying to get Caden to just play solid games but this is clearly like a kid's game i think he's gonna dig it um it's it's got okay reviews so (laughs) we'll see how it goes but jocelyn's right like maybe people would just be like we just want to watch ryan suffer for this terrible kid's game yes Uh, exactly I think that'll bring in the donation. So if you guys Perfect. would like to donate to the cause, you can head to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2019. It's all lowercase. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find our team page. You have to go into, you can either, I think you can, can you donate to the team? Did they start doing that? Uh, Is that a thing? You mean hit the donate button and then, yeah. So that was one year. So yeah, backstory. One year we had it. There was a donate page or a donate button on the team page that donated to Extra Life. But now right. when you hit that donate button, it opens up, who do you want to donate to? Um, so it is right. it's more user friendly. 
Excellent. So yeah, you do have to select one of our team members to throw a donation at. We've got uh, seven people on the team right now. Mm-hmm. Ryan has zero dollars raised. So it's true. Well, we just uh, started talking about it. So yeah, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever excuse you need. Look, yeah. I just thought of this Paw Patrol thing. The donations are going to roll in now. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we also mentioned our Discord, which is Bitly slash TGI Discord. If you guys want more information, if you've got, uh, if you want to join the team, or if you want to send us in uh, codes for games we can give away. Uh, you can do that over at our Discord again, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also email the show at info at gamersandpodcast.com. You can visit us on the web at gamersandpodcast.com, or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn and Joss Plays, Ryan is Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.